Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to see all of you here. If you don't know who I am, my name is Mikey Warren, and I serve as the youth pastor here at Sovereign Grace. And if this is your first time, welcome. We will be in God's Word this morning. We'll be in John chapter 10, starting in verse 11. So turn there with me. John chapter 10, starting in verse 11, and I'm going to read from verse 11 all the way to verse 21. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray. Father in heaven, again we come before you in thanks and praise, specifically at the thought of you gifting us with your word, that you revealing yourself, revealing your will, revealing the truths of your son, who he is and what he came to accomplish through it. God, we pray this morning that your spirit would be at work to open our minds, to open our hearts to the truths of your word, that we would see Christ clearly, that we would behold him, and that we would adore him in doing so. Father, we thank you so much. We pray that in all things you are glorified, that Christ is exalted in our minds and in our hearts, and that we, your people, are edified and built up. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Now, don't answer this out loud. But who, or rather what, am I describing when I say directionless, defenseless, and often makes dumb decisions? Now, some of you are laughing. Some of you may need to repent at whatever names or images came into your head at the thought of that. No matter how true They may be, I know if my dad were here, he would say something like, you in your early 20s. And that may be very, very true. 
But that's not who or what I'm talking about. If the text that we read is any indication to you, I am talking about sheep. And more specifically, sheep without a shepherd. Because sheep without a shepherd are often directionless. That is why they need a shepherd to direct them, to guide them, to lead them. Sheep without a shepherd are often defenseless. And they are left open to wild animals, to wolves coming in and scattering and harming the sheep or even killing the sheep. Sheep without a shepherd run the risk of wandering off on their own, getting lost, getting stuck. Or even there have been cases of sheep wandering and walking off of cliffs. Sheep need a shepherd. And the tension for us, as some of you raised your hand at that description, probably maybe referring to yourself, is the fact that we know that by nature, or if you don't know, I'm here to tell you that we are, by nature, all like sheep. And we have gone astray. We are by nature lost and wandering, and we are by nature without hope and without God in the world, and we need a shepherd. And God, by His grace, has sent His sheep a true and good shepherd. God, by His grace, has sent His sheep a good shepherd to provide His sheep with salvation, to provide His sheep with security, and to lead and to guide His sheep into true life. Now this morning, we're continuing our study through the I Am sayings of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And two weeks ago, we covered the first I Am saying of John chapter 10, which was, I am the door. And this week, we're coming back to John 10 to look at the second I Am saying, which is, I am the good shepherd. And it's my aim that as we do so, that we would come to both rest and rejoice in the life and salvation that is found only in knowing and being known by the Good Shepherd. And in order to do this, we'll consider three truths regarding the Good Shepherd. First, we'll consider the necessity of the Good Shepherd. The necessity of the Good Shepherd. Secondly, we'll consider the identity of the Good Shepherd. Thirdly, we'll consider the mission of the Good Shepherd. The mission of the Good Shepherd. Now, before we consider the necessity of the Good Shepherd, just a little bit of context because it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in John 10. But in John chapter 9, Jesus is continuing his ministry and he continues his ministry by healing a man who is born blind. And this man who was born blind confesses Jesus to be Lord, and the Pharisees bring him in to question him, and he confesses Jesus to be Lord and the Son of God, and the Pharisees remove him from the synagogue. And now Jesus confronts the Pharisees. He confronts them, and he challenges them, and he begins to judge the Pharisees. And Jesus' judgment of the Pharisees continues into John chapter 10, where he starts 
with a parable or an illustration. And this illustration contains a sheepfold, sheep, shepherd, a doorkeeper, and a door, and some thieves and robbers. And we, two weeks ago, covered the first part of the explanation. The door. Jesus identifies himself as the door. He is the way, the point of access into the sheepfold. He is the point of access into salvation and fellowship with God within the sheepfold. And now in verses 11 through 18, he's going to begin to unpack and explain the meaning of the good shepherd. But again, let's first consider why is the shepherd necessary? I mean, I began to explain that at the very, very outset. But why? Why do we need a shepherd? Well, again, because by nature, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. This is exactly what Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, the passage that we read this morning that Jason read to us, where it says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We are lost and we are wandering. There is no one to lead us. And this lost and wandering state, the fact that we are sheep who have gone astray, this is not due to bad luck. This is not due to unfortunate events that have simply fallen upon us as victims. This is not due to the fact that God has somehow left us behind or forgot about us. What is the reason for this? We're told in the next part of verse 6 in Isaiah 53 that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Everyone, every single person has turned from the Lord and they have gone their own way. They have rebelled against him and now they stand in opposition to him for their rebellion, for their disobedience. And what are the consequences of this? Well, we are lost and we are wandering, but more than that, we are without hope. We have no hope for true comfort. We have no hope for protection and provision. We have no hope of true abundant life in this life or in the life to come. And this is all due to the fact because we are ultimately without God in the world. In whom are all of these great realities and blessings. But you are not just without him. Let me be clear about that. You're not just without him, lost and wandering, though that is part of the state that you are in by nature. You are not just without him, but you are at odds with him. And you stand under his wrath. You are outside of his presence because of your sin and your rebellion. And you will remain outside of his presence. And one day we'll experience his just wrath. And you will endure that for all eternity. Again, this is because we have gone 
astray. Together we have gone our own way. And ever since, we have been chasing after false shepherds. Looking for someone or looking for something that we can grab a hold of and look to to give us some sense of hope, some sense of comfort, some sense of resolution or reconciliation with God. But none of those things will ultimately give it to us. Whether it's you looking to yourself or you looking to someone else in your life, or if it's you looking for some sort of status or place in the world, whatever it is, it will land and fall empty in your lap. It will not lead you into true, abundant life. It will not provide you with salvation and reconciliation with God. We need this good shepherd, because without him, there is no provision of salvation, no reconciliation with God, and no hope for true life. And the reality is, is that God would be entirely just to leave us in such a condition and to leave us in such a state. But he doesn't. He sends us a shepherd. He sends us a shepherd. And this leads us to consider, secondly, the identity of the good shepherd. The identity of the good shepherd. The identity of the good shepherd is really rooted in the Old Testament. And promises within the Old Testament. We see God providing shepherds for His people throughout the Old Testament. Namely, we have men like Moses who's referred to as one who God used to lead by the hand his sheep. And then after Moses, God raised up Joshua to be a shepherd of his flock. But probably the Old Testament figure that may stand out most preeminently to us is David, who was himself a shepherd at a young age. And then he becomes the king of Israel. And he is referred to as a shepherd of God's flock, of God's sheep. But each of these men, and any other leader of Israel that we could attribute the status or role of a shepherd to, each of them were temporary. They were temporary. They provided temporary blessings and benefits to God's flock, to God's sheep. And how do we know they are temporary? Well, ultimately we know they're temporary because they died. They weren't lasting. They were temporary in that sense as well, but they were also temporary by the will of God Himself. They were temporary, and they were types. They fulfilled a great role within the redemptive era that they lived in, but they were meant to point forward beyond themselves and to something else, or more specifically, to someone else. We have promises throughout the Old Testament of a coming shepherd. Ezekiel 34, which Jason read this morning, but I want to look at again. Ezekiel 34 promises a good shepherd. A final, true, 
and good shepherd to come. Ezekiel 34 and verse 11. If you'd turn there with me. Ezekiel 34, verse 11 through 16. And as I'm reading it, I want you to identify for yourself as we're reading it who this shepherd is or who he is going to be. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep, that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples, and gather them from the countries, and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all of the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the shepherd, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. God promises a shepherd to come. And who is this shepherd? It is God himself. He will gather the scattered. He will bring back the wounded. He will gather for himself His flock, but notice what is said in Ezekiel 34 and verse 23, where he says, I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them, and he shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, I have spoken. Do you see that in Ezekiel 34, God himself says, I will be the shepherd of my sheep. I will gather my flock. But later in Ezekiel 34, he says that my servant David will be the shepherd of my sheep. So who is it? Is it God himself or is it David? And ultimately, how can it be David? Because by the time that this prophecy is ultimately given, David himself is long dead. He's a dead man. So who is this ultimately pointing forward to? Well, none other than the Lord Jesus himself. And this is why in John 10, when Jesus says in verse 11 and again in verse 14, that this is earth shattering. This is a groundbreaking Revelation and declaration. Jesus is identifying himself not just as a good shepherd, 
Maybe one among many. No, Jesus is identifying himself as the good shepherd of the sheep. The shepherd who will gather the wounded, gather the faint-hearted. He will gather all of God's flock. There will be one flock and there will be one shepherd. And this one shepherd is Jesus. Again, go back to John 10. If you're not there, verse 11 I am the good shepherd. And again in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd that Ezekiel is speaking about. He is David's son. And he is David's Lord. Jesus is the God-man. Jesus is the promised shepherd who came as both truly God and truly man. The son of David and David's Lord. And he came to provide and lead and guide his people into salvation and true abundant life. In Jesus' self-identification as this good shepherd, this one true good shepherd. It demonstrates the fact that Jesus alone is the good shepherd. And that there is no one else. There's no one else that can fulfill this role. And there's no one else that will fulfill this role. He and he alone is the good shepherd of the sheep. And this leads us to consider, thirdly, the mission of the Good Shepherd. What is it that the Good Shepherd came to do? Well, I've been hinting at it in a number of different ways, but he came to provide for his sheep. He came to provide for his sheep. Look at verse 11 again. I am the Good Shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Again in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Let's stop there. Jesus is the good shepherd. And five times he mentions in this section laying his life down for the sheep. So when it said that Jesus came to provide for his sheep, what did he come to provide? Well, firstly, we must note that he comes to provide salvation for his sheep. Christ, as our shepherd, lays down his life to save us from sin, to save us from death, and to save us from the wrath of God himself. Go back again, if you have a finger still, in Isaiah 53, where you can just follow along with me, that's fine too, but Isaiah 53, in verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord has laid on him, the suffering servant, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, verse 7, and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Verse 10, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Jesus comes as the good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep, on behalf of his sheep. Preeminently, he lays his life down as a substitute, as a suffering servant, as a sacrifice to pay for and to cover the iniquities of us, the sheep who have gone astray, the sheep who have stood opposed and who have wandered off and disobeyed and rebelled against God Almighty. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We see this imagery again picked up even more in John chapter 10 and verse 17 and 18. He says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father again. It was the will of the Lord to crush him, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And it does, and it did. On the cross, Jesus declared, it is finished. Jesus went to the cross to bear God's wrath for your sins and for my sins on that tree. To provide atonement so that we might be forgiven. And through his perfect and obedient life as well, and then his sacrificial death so that we might stand before God justified, receiving his righteousness and our unrighteousness given to him upon the cross, wherein which he atones for and he pays for. Christ is our good shepherd who lays his life down for us to provide us with salvation and reconciliation with God. Jesus is also our good shepherd who provides his sheep with security, with protection, and with care. He provides us with security of our own salvation because of his perfect life and 
His substitutionary work on the cross, our salvation is secured. He is our good shepherd who secures our salvation, but he is also our good shepherd who continues to protect and to care for us in this life as well. To lead us and to guide us. To care for us. And this is directly contrasted with the hired hands in John 10. Look at verses 12 and 13 again. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees. Why? Because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Cares nothing for them. And the work of the great shepherd, the good shepherd, is contrasted with these wicked hired hands, who in context is specifically referring to the religious leaders. And this can ultimately be extended to all who merely care about themselves and may, quote-unquote, care for the sheep, but for selfish gain. They're in it for some other reason. And whenever trouble comes up, when their life is at risk in some way, shape, or form, they are gone. They're there to take advantage of the sheep as long as they can be in that position and have that status. But as soon as trouble comes, they're gone. But God declares that He will punish. He will punish those wicked hirelings or those wicked false shepherds. Now the Bible talks about under-shepherds. Talks about those who God has raised up to shepherd and to care for God's people. And there are good under shepherds and there are bad under shepherds. And ultimately, very simply, how can we determine who is a good under shepherd and who is a bad under shepherd? We'll ask who do they point you to? Who do they point you to? Are they pointing to themselves? Or are they pointing you to some sort of particular lifestyle to live? Are they pointing you merely to some way of life that you must follow and pattern yourself after? Is that what they're ultimately pointing you to? Are they pointing you again to themselves? Or are they pointing you to the good shepherd? Are they pointing you to Christ, the overseer of your soul? Is that who they are pointing you to? Because that is the work and the role of the true under-shepherd of the true shepherd. They are to point you to relentlessly to Christ Himself. I love that in every single pastor's coffee that you go to, Chad or whoever's it's leading, it's usually Chad, will remind those who are coming into pastor's coffee that the pastors of Sovereign Grace will at some point in time deeply disappoint you. 
And I'm sure for those of you that are members here at Sovereign Grace who have been here for a while, you've experienced that disappointment and that, you know. Because again, that's a promise. We know that. Our pastors know that because they are men. But the one thing that our pastors do promise is that they will relentlessly point you to the one who will never fail you. They'll relentlessly point you to the Christ, to the true shepherd. And that's how we can distinguish between these two, between the good and the bad under shepherds. Who do they point you to? If they're not pointing you to Christ, but pointing you to Christ or something else, they are a bad under shepherd. So Christ as a shepherd came to provide us with salvation and security, but also he came to lead us and guide us into true life. Again, look at John 10, but go back up to verse 9. We covered this a couple weeks ago, but I just want to make note of something that's said as it relates to Christ's work as the good shepherd. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The door, Christ, is the access into that true and abundant life. And Christ, as our shepherd, is the one who leads us and guides us into that true, abundant life. That's the role of the shepherd. To lead them in and out and find pasture. To lead them into God's provision of protection and care and safety. and But to lead and guide the sheep into the abundant life. And that's what Jesus does as our good shepherd. He is the one who leads us into eternal life. And he's also the one who leads us and guides us throughout this life as well. That we look to. That we follow. That we trust and that we obey. Psalm 23. Psalm 23, a passage that's probably familiar to a lot of us, if not all of us. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of of the Lord forever. All of this happens. These great blessings of God's shepherdly care and love and protection. All of those things are ours through union with Christ, our true and good shepherd. And he provides us with all of these great blessings, salvation and security, guidance and leadership. He does all of this for his sheep, 
and for his sheep alone. A flock who is made up of both Jew and Gentile. We don't have time to get into all of that, but that is specifically made clear in John chapter 10 and specifically verses 14 through 16. There will be one flock and there will be one shepherd over that flock, which is made up of Jew and Gentile. The mission of Christ demonstrates to us why he is Truly, the good shepherd. It communicates and demonstrates and magnifies for us why he is the good shepherd. And the mission of Christ demonstrates to us why there is no salvation, no true life outside of knowing and being known by him. So the question that I have for all of you this morning is, do you know this good shepherd? Do you know him? Have you heard and responded in faith to his call? Are you following him as one of his sheep? If you're not, repent. Repent and look to Christ. There is no hope for true life, salvation, and reconciliation with God outside of knowing Him and following Him and being known by Him, being united to Him by faith. There is no hope. You are lost and wandering. You are without hope and without God in the world. And you will experience His final and just wrath for all eternity. Trust in Christ. Look to Him and follow Him the shepherd and overseer of souls. For you believers, for those who do profess to know Him, who have heard and who have responded in faith to His call, rest and rejoice in Christ, your shepherd. We can easily still as sheep find ourselves going astray. There are many things in life that can leave us distracted, looking away from our good shepherd. We can very quickly be caught up in the world and the things going on around us in our lives and in the lives of our nation. And we can very quickly lose sight of who our true and good shepherd is. And we can look to those false hopes, those false shepherds, to give us some sense of relief And hope in this life. That can happen very, very easily and subtly. And if that is the case, and when that is the case, repent. Repent and turn and look to Christ, your good shepherd. Remember who you are and whose you are. You are His sheep. May this lead us to rest and rejoicing. And may this lead us to proclaiming His great glory and majesty. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the gift of the Good Shepherd. Who provides for us salvation 
who provides for us a secure salvation and an abundant life in fellowship, in union with you that begins now. We can experience foretastes now, but, but we'll be experienced fully and forever in heaven. May we look to you. May we cling to you. May we trust in you. It's, we pray that you would receive all glory and honor and praise. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.